Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, welcome to the first Lord's Podcast of 2015. I'm very pleased to be joined by Middlesex and Ireland bowler Tim Murta, along with All Out Cricket editor Phil Walker. Welcome both. Thank you. Hi, Will. Good to be here. Good to see you both. Now, we're just a few days away from the start of the World Cup, with England and Australia due to get proceedings underway in Melbourne on Saturday. We'll preview the tournament. Also on the podcast, we ask, have bats become too big in the modern game? And following the success of the Australian Big Bash, are there any lessons to be learned for the domestic game in England? But before all that, I'd like to ask Tim some questions that have come in from listeners on Twitter using the hashtag AskMerts. So Tim, first one up from at Kerry Cricket, um, who purports to be County Kerry Cricket. Yeah. How disappointing is having an injury so close to the World Cup and has it affected your training and rehab? Um, pretty disappointing, seeing as it's probably going to be the only World Cup that I could have played in. Um, yeah, it was a, you know a massive shame. It was such an innocuous injury. Um, we were literally just warming up for a game in in Dubai and playing touch rugby. Uh, went over on my foot and heard a crack, and basically the fifth metatarsal um, fractured. Um, and yeah, subsequently kind of put me out for the tournament and. You know, I was hopeful that I'd be able to get back in time and, um, you know, if the management had taken a bit of a risk on me and I was confident that I'd be fit by the second, third game and for the rest of the tournament, but they decided to go another way and, um, you know, I can't really blame them for that. But, yeah, it was it was a massive disappointment to be at home kind of watching the games rather than be out there in Australia with the boys. I don't want to start on a sour note, but, you know, how's your training and rehab been? Um, has, it, has it been a bit tougher, obviously, with that kind of in the background? Uh, kind of, but, you know, I'm quite determined once I put my mind to something. I sort of like to kind of prove people wrong and get back quicker than a lot of people um, have said. And, you know, I'm probably a week or two ahead of schedule in, in my rehab now, which has been great. Um the first two weeks I was spent in the hyperbaric diving chamber in the hospital over the road. Um, so I did two hours a day in there with oxygen treatment, uh, which seems to have really helped. It's kind of helped the bone heal quicker. And, um, you know, I was really pleased with the, with the results that we got from that. So I think that gave me a bit of a head start. And um, since then, I've had no real problems. Got rid of the crutches pretty early and, and, and walking around now and, just started bowling this week, sort of off a few yards and just trying to get the, the muscles in the foot used to working again. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all, you know, ahead of schedule and, and, as I say, hopefully be back playing before long. Great stuff. So on the road to recovery. Second question, Tim. Um, this is from Michael Evans. Ireland have a great chance of getting to the World Cup quarterfinals. Who would you like to play and why? Whew. That's jumping ahead of things a bit, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I'm sure the boys will not quite be thinking that far ahead at the moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, the way things are panned out in the group, um, you know, we'd like to think that we've got a good chance of beating UAE and Zimbabwe and, you know, then hopefully one victory against a West Indies or a Pakistan. They have an off day. Um, or, you know, any of those sides in that group would, would hopefully be enough to see us through to the quarterfinals. So... Yeah, I'm sure there'll be, you know, West Indies being the first game, that's a massive game for us. And, um, you know, they're in a little bit of turmoil at the moment and you're never quite sure what you're going to get with them. So um, hopefully we can cause an upset in that first game and that will give us real kind of confidence going into to the rest of the group games. And just to I'll jump in, in, in yeah. there, you say 
from an Irish point of view, from a neutral's point of view, um, everyone's watching that game. Um, the West Indies have been a shambles for the last couple of months, and it's it's a rather sad state of affairs for anyone who loves the world game. Yeah, um, that fixture has had uh, a kind of a glow for a number of months ever since the groups were were sorted. And um, I wouldn't even say that an upset is necessarily on the cards if Ireland do beat them. The mm. state of the of the West Indies side in terms of its morale at the minute, it's almost. They're almost, there's almost a mutiny there, you know, and, and Gail is vocal as the, the leader of, of that, that band that it's a mess. I think, I think Ireland can well go ahead and win that game. If they do, then they only need to, to play averagely against the, the, the lesser size and then they're in the quarters. Then anything can happen. So who will they face? Go on, Phil, you can answer the questions because Tim's a diplomatically evolved. All right, okay. <laughs> I, I think they will face Australia. I think Ireland will finish, and I do genuinely believe this, I think Ireland will finish fourth um, and I think Australia will walk Group A. Great stuff. And then they might have a fight on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> so then who are we going to have in the semis? <laughs> oh, I'm not Mystic Me. Yeah. Uh, Tim, final question on Twitter. After the disappointment of missing the World Cup through injury, and this is from Zeke Go, um, where does Mert see his future in the international game? You said just a moment ago you, you don't see yourself making another World Cup, so what well, now? Well, you know, it, it's four years is a long way off. I'm 33 now. You know, there's still an outside possibility um, that I could make 2019, but being realistic, that might not happen. So, you know, I still very much enjoy, I've enjoyed, you know, the two or three years I've been playing with Ireland and um, I've no kind of intentions of, of giving that up yet. And, um, you know, especially there's there's a chance of test cricket in a few years' time, um, which, you know, is, is appealing, would be appealing to anyone. Um, but I suppose more so because I play mainly the longer format of the game here at Middlesex. Um, so to help Ireland get sort of test status would be um, is another goal of mine, and um, and hopefully that that will come true in the next few years. But um, bit of hard work to go. And, and on that, Mertz, realistically, five years from now, maybe seven years from now, are Ireland playing test cricket? What what's your your feeling, and what's the feeling amongst the the, the inner sanctum of Irish cricket. Um, I'd like to think so, yeah, and and you know there's some there's some good young players coming up, but whether they're quite of the standard that, you know, Irish cricket's had almost a bit of a golden generation with you know your Joyce and your O'Brien brothers and Porterfield and Wilson, um, and Sterling and sort of guys like that. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the, sort of seven years time. You know, a lot of those players may probably won't be playing then um, so you've got to look beneath that and it maybe they're not quite at that same level yet but um, hopefully with the chance of more cricket and and more teams coming over to Ireland and, mm-hmm. and more tours um, to get a bit of experience these younger lads um, will step up and, and become sort of the Ed Joyce's and um, and guys like that to lead kind of Irish Irish cricket into that next um, chapter. But as I said, there's there's a lot of hard work to be done in between, and um, you know hopefully that will happen. Uh, just very briefly, over in in Ireland, is there a, a kind of groundswell of, of of interest amongst the punters, amongst the locals, yeah. which in turn then generates money for sponsorship and so on? Yeah, I you know I can't claim to be sort of an expert, having not lived there and. Yeah. Um, not spent you know masses amount of time there but every time I've been over for games and training and you know they and speaking to the lads more importantly there seems to be a real kind of buzz around the country and um, certainly the interest in, in cricket you know um, 
anytime we've gotten to taxis or spoken to taxi drivers, you know, they seem to know about cricket, I think more so than we'd realise living over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the game is flourishing over there. The club game is, you know, it's a strong league and uh, and they take it very seriously. And, um, you know, hopefully with that kind of, as I say, these tournaments, these major tournaments are, are sort of what, what Kevin O'Brien did in 2011, just, you know, did wonders for Irish cricket yeah. and, and something similar this year would, would do hopefully boost it again. Um, so that that's what, you know, I know the administrators and um, everyone involved in Irish cricket is hoping will happen. Yeah, and I think most neutrals as well. The game's going to grow, yeah. then we need this to happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you want the likes of ourselves and Afghanistan to be pushing Zimbabwe and yeah. Bangladesh and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not suddenly saying we're going to beat Australia and want to play a seven match series against them but we we need more cricket against Zimbabwe and Bangladesh and and sort of triangular tournaments like that and it's a special year for you here at Middlesex Um, it's your benefit year so tell us a bit about that yeah it's you know benefit years don't come around very often and I think less so more sort of less so these days because there's a lot more kind of movement between counties Um, having moved myself sort of eight years ago but I, you know, when Angus Fraser told me it was a massive honour and a massive kind of privilege and um, it's something that you don't really think about as a cricketer and it's, um, um, as I said, you know, I'm just really grateful um, to, to be to be awarded it this year and, you know, we've got some great events lined up and um, it's going to be a lot of fun and, you know, my focus is still on my cricket because I want to keep playing. It's not like I want to have a benefit and walk away and... Yeah, and finish my career like that you know I still feel like I've got um, some good cricket and some good years left in me so that's that's going to be my number one focus and sort of I've got a really good committee and chairman who are, who are helping me out with the benefit side so hopefully they'll look after most of that throughout the summer Great, so what, what type of events have you got lined up for that? Uh, we've got sort of a curry night our first event's a curry night we're having in um, the household cavalry we're doing it in the officers mess which is quite an exclusive kind of venue you know have to wear the normally. Uh, I don't know yeah actually but I think a lot of them I think there's a ta- there's going to be a table um, where they will be dressed up in, in the traditional uniform and stuff which will be great uh, we're looking at doing a dinner in the house of lords um, looking at having poker nights and a wine tasting challenge here uh, we've got a long room lunch in the pavilion. Uh, we've got a Strictly Come Dancing kind of themed ball towards the end of the year. Is Ramps involved in that? Ramps one? hopefully will be involved, <laughs> dependent on England commitments. Okay. Yet to yet to find it's out. Prioritise. Yeah, I know it's it's in November time, so hopefully he'll have his dancing shoes on and, <laughs> and we can talk him into doing a couple of things for that. Um, so yeah, just just and then a couple of matches. We're playing a match at Hampstead and a match down at. Rygate and Surrey, where I kind of played most of my cricket as a as a junior. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Great stuff. A year to look forward to. Yeah. Right. I'd like to turn our attentions to the World Cup. Um, England take on Australia in the opening game on Saturday. This Saturday coming up gets underway at three thirty a.m. our time. Owen Morgan and his side have been written off by much of the press and fans as well, following a poor tour to Sri Lanka, which resulted in Alistair Cook being sacked as captain, and then a thrashing in the Tri-Series final to Australia. Um, But the captain of England's women's side, Charlotte Edwards, believes that her male counterparts could spring a surprise. Do you know what? I think they're going to do better than everyone probably thinks they are, and I think they're they're probably happy that everyone's written them off, and um, 
and um, and I think they've got a good balanced team out there. I think um, you know it's great to see Owen Morgan score runs in his first game as England captain, and um, you know I'm I'm confident that England can can do well. I think um, you know they've got some really exciting youngsters, and um, you know I think it's what's this space with them. I think uh, hopefully they're going to surprise a few people, and um, and hopefully go a long way in the competition. Well, I guess the question is, can England win this World Cup? Um, over Christmas time, and I may have had a few by this point, I put £20 <laughs> in England to win it at 10 to 1. And I'd actually forgotten that I'd put that bet on until I returned to my betting account a few weeks later to find that bet in there. Um, I'm not expecting that money to come back, but equally, uh, I'm not writing it off either. Well, they've gone down to 9 to 1 now. They have. They have <laughs> on the basis of a couple of games against India, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, it's Look, it's it's unlikely they are where they where they they should be I would say on terms of form and crucially in terms of experience and kind of battle hardened nous that said uh, I refute anybody who says there's not a lot of talent in that team um, and they they have some intriguing identities within it you know Joss Butler is is a superstar in the making Moe Nally is intriguing up the top he could blow out and get you 100 runs in 10 knocks or he could go out there and, and smash Mitchell Johnson over extra cover for six. You don't know what that kid's going to do, but he's got serious talent. Ian Bell, I'm intrigued by. I've been banging the drum of him opening the batting in one-day cricket for a long time. He was brilliant in 2012. Inexplicably lost his way or rather was pushed aside. He's back where he belongs. Um, I think, I think there's, there's, there's something to watch in this team. I fear they may be a bowler light. Um, I'm delighted to see Finney back uh, performing well. He's obviously a big, fr- big friend of yours, Mertz, and mm. uh, what's, he used to write for us as a diarist for the magazine. He's a smashing top, top lad, and it's great to see him performing again. Um, he could go at five and a half, six and over and be ineffective, or he could win you games of cricket. And there's a number of players like that, I think, in this team. So I'm not writing them off. Uh, and I've got 20 quid to show for it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Stephen Finney is a, a player I'd like to talk about because he is a match winner, and especially in Australian conditions. Tim, you know him extremely well. Um, have you been Have you been talking to him in the lead-up to the World Cup? How's he feeling? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's got a bit of that spark back now. I think, um, you know, I th- England were desperate to kind of get him back in, and um, he just had something different. You know, he is a wicket-taker, as you say, and... Um, it, it might be that he goes for runs every now and again, but um, which irks him and, and sort of irks him that people kind of say that about him as well um, because he likes to think that he's a bit of an Angus Fraser kind of role as well. Uh, but he can't do everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's from where he was sort of a year ago, it's just, it's just great to see because, you know, he was as down as I've yeah. seen a county slash international cricketer ever be. Um, he was in a really dark place, so so, and that's taken a lot of hard work with Richard Johnson and Gus, and and also the England coaching staff as well, to get him back to where he is now. Um, I think if you spoke to him, you still feel that he's not quite at his best, and you know there's still room for improvement, which is good to see. But you know he's starting to get that confidence back, and the confidence is is a massive thing for him, and he thrives on that. Um, and hopefully, sort of on wickets that suit him a bit more, a bit more sort of yeah. pace and bounce, uh, he can be a real threat during this World Cup. And 
um, hopefully he kicks on from here and, and has a really good tournament. And, and just the other thing on, on Finney and what he, what he represents within this team, I think the game has moved on so much that in a way it's more effective to take three for 65 than take one for 45, yeah. you know? Yeah. Scores around the 300 mark, they're standard fare now. And so you need players who can influence the match in the middle yeah. overs. And Finney, yeah. OK, you know, he's going to bowl you a four ball, but he's also going to nick off a, a world-class player. And that's what England have lacked in the last couple of years. They've lacked that kind of energy in the middle overs. They tend to go through the motions a little bit. So to have him back is, is intriguing, really. And um, I, I'm interested to see how, how this team play out. I think it's got, got character in the way that it hasn't necessarily had in previous years. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. And the other big decision that England made over over the Christmas period was obviously the basically the sacking of Cook. And uh, I'd like to focus more on Owen Morgan now as captain. Obviously, with the strong Middlesex connection, you know Owen very well. Yeah. What's he like to play under as a captain, and what can he bring to that England side? He, um, you know, we had a poor year in white ball cricket last year, and he was captain <clears throat> for the first time for the whole year. And you know that was nothing to do with his captaincy. It was just. You know, we didn't play very well throughout the year, but um, he was good. He just brings a real kind of fresh enthusiasm. He's he's very much a positive kind of looking person. He um, doesn't dwell on, you know, if he has a bad day, he's, you know, he's off home, he's forgotten about it and doesn't, doesn't sort of let it affect him. Um, and he just brings a kind of different kind of buzz and a you know, something fresh to the team, which I suppose that they probably look like they've needed for a while now. Um, so I, th- I think he'll be really good and, and hopefully the, the main thing is that he scores runs as well and um, everyone wants to see him back scoring runs and he's had a bit of a lean time the last year or so in, in ODI cricket but um, you know he's, he's a match winner and he's England's best player in my opinion Agreed, um, Agreed. And if England are going to go far in this tournament he needs to be firing and, and scoring runs and um, I think that's probably more important than the whole captaincy thing because yeah. although you can be get funky a little bit in captaincy, there's you know it's fairly kind of set in stone what happens. The field goes back and you're almost dictated to by power plays and stuff like that. So um, whilst there are things that you can do, it's it's more him scoring hundreds that are going to see England get through the group, obviously, and the, and then um, push on further. Mm-hmm. And uh, who do you two think, if it's not England, which uh, it may well not be, who's your favourite for the tournament? Um, well, Australia are rightly favourites. I have a feeling for South Africa. Uh, again, I think they might be maybe a bowler light, but uh, Tahir, again, he's going to go for a few, but may well affect a game. He is a wicket taker. Um, they might be a seamer light, they might be a batsman light, but they do happen to have two of the greatest players of all time, batting, batting one, mm. well, one and four. So... Um, and also one of the greatest fast bowlers of all time. Um, with Morkel backing Stain up and Philander backing the, those two up, I think that they've got a very, very strong side. Australia bat all the way down, and I think that's where they separate themselves. Um, it's between those two for me. And as an outs- as a dark horse, I, I would say England. I would say England. Yeah. And Tim, would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think you can look too much further than those teams. You know, New Zealand play all their games... In their home conditions and and generally kind of do well in World Cups, don't they? And sort of, you know, they they'll be a good shout for a semi final maybe. But I'd have to agree, sort of Australia. You know, if their bowling attack fires, you kind of saw Mitchell Stark even um, in that recent it's series strong, looked it? looked real dangerous. So yeah. um, they've they've also got strength and depth as well. They've they've got some good bowlers and 
um, you know, being at home, it'd be difficult to look past them. So, yeah, I agree, South Africa. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It just depends how, once they get to the semifinal stage, how how they cope with that. Um, but I'd say those two and, and New Zealand have got a shout being in, being in their own conditions. All teams with uh, plenty of big hitting batsmen, which brings us on to our next topic, bat sizes. Now, it's a common sight in modern day cricket, the mishit shot sailing over the boundary for six. It's left many grumbling that bats are simply too big and gives batsmen an unfair advantage. But others feel it makes a game much more exciting to watch. MCC says they'll monitor the performance of bats at the upcoming World Cup and the ICC's chief exec, Dave Richardson, wants boundary ropes to be set to at least 90 metres. So the question is, are bats too big? Tim, as a bowler, um, you have to answer this one. See, as a bowler, I have to say that they are, but, you know, I slightly disagree with that in a way. I, um, you know, the technology's been great and... Um, you know, the bats are so good these days that I think it makes for... I'm on the side of it makes more interesting cricket, even if it means that I'm going for a few more runs than, um, than perhaps years years gone by. I'd say it's more... A few people have said sort of it's more the restrictions in the field that, that have um, yeah, made the biggest kind of change. And I also think the ball as well. Like the white ball 10 years ago used to swing for 10, 15 overs and be nice to bowl with and it's definitely had a complete makeover since then it swings if you if you're lucky it swings for two or three overs these days and you you found that around the world definitely yeah and and i think if you speak to most bowlers i don't know i think i I don't know whether they've taken some of the lacquer off the balls but they've the kookaburras they're definitely different from certainly when i started playing one day cricket sort of 10 15 years ago as I said, for 15 overs, you used to get 10, 15 overs worth of yeah. good swing out yeah. of it, um, which I which I felt made for good games. You know, opening batsmen um, can still play their shots at the top and the ball kind of went off the bat nicely. But if you bowled well, you you kind of were in with a chance and, um, you know, have a couple of slips in. It just slips almost seem a little bit pointless these days. The ball doesn't really seem to go there that much in one-day cricket. Um, so I'd say I'd say the balls are the the main thing. I don't know what you'd have to speak to Cookborough or they'll probably say that they've done nothing. Um, or whether it be the size of the seams or something's changed in those balls in ten years to make them not swing as much and sort of that being my trade and plus a bit of reverse swing at the end, I suppose with the two new white balls you, you rarely see um any reverse swing these days. When you use white balls over in 2020 and 40 over cricket over here 
Are they kookaburra or are they jukes? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're kookaburra, kookaburra as well. Yeah. Okay, so we only use the red jukes ball then. Yes. With the more protruded seam, which yeah. in turn yeah, helps the, does helps a bit the seam. More. Yeah. yeah, maybe that needs to be addressed as well, the, the choice of the ball, you know, as scores inflate ever further. Yeah. For, for, for me, I'm not so concerned about the changes in bat technology. Um, the dimensions of the face of the bat remain the same as they should. Um, Brett Lee spoke some common sense in, on this when he was asked about it a fortnight ago. He said, well, if Chris Gale wants to pick up a four-pound bat and hit me out of the ground, then good luck to him. Yeah. I absolutely understand that. I think that's a common sense way of looking at it. What is regressive and frustrating is that the ICC, in their wisdom, take one more fielder out from the outfield and stick him in the inner ring. And so now you have five in the inner ring, only four round the outfield, which is shortened comically in, in certain places around the world, India in particular. Um, and it, and it, again, it just just recalibrate or rather kind of unnerves that balance between bat and ball. And that is a big problem. It's, that is the essence of the game. Um, because I guess with... And you have to protect that, you know, and they don't. They don't protect it enough. They don't recognise it enough. And so this talk about addressing bat compression yeah. and so on, it's, it's, all, it's all phony to me. But with the modern players, as you say, that, I mean, modern players are much fitter and stronger than they've ever been. So they're going to hit the ball further. Yeah. The sweet spots are bigger. And then on top of that, if they're changing where players can and can't stand in the field, then it, it's all gearing towards more excitement because you see the ball going out of the park a bit more. But I just want to, on that excitement factor, there was an interesting piece last year uh, which Mike Atherton wrote in The Times about the, the, the thing which most recently really captured people's excitement was... Mitchell Johnson running in and taking wickets. Absolutely. And as a bowler, Tim, do you not think yeah. that you may, you know, a hat trick ball is there anything more exciting than that? No, it's uh, as as I say, going back to the balls. You know, if the ball's swinging around a bit, you don't want it doing too much in <clears throat> one day cricket. Even though it's great for your figures, I've always been on the side of I'd rather have a three hundred chases down a three hundred game than a sort of two twenty plays two ten. You know, sometimes those games are interesting, but, you know, generally one-day cricket is for the fans and, and you want to see sixes and fours without it getting extreme. And, you know, teams scoring 460 or whatever is obviously too far the other way. Um, but So you want to encourage the bowlers because otherwise you're just going to have no one really wanting to become a bowler. Um, you know, and I, that is I don't the really fear. blame them. That is the fear. Already you are looking at, you're seeing professional bowlers who are, uh, moving away from the first class game in favour of 20 and 50 over and 40 and 50 over cricket. Um, the fear is if the balance continues to be weighed in favour of the batsman, then where are your next batch of quicks? You know, who, who if you're 15 years old and, you've got, and you're a natural athlete, who would pick up a ball and run in from the mm. sight screen when you could pick up a bat and everything is in your favour? Mm. So it, 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 is, it is something to address, but I think, I think we're directing it at the wrong area. I don't think it's, it's the compression of bats. I don't yeah. because things move on. Funnily enough, we did our magazine gear test at Laws this morning and Ali Brown was in the nets. Now, you might have even played in that match, Mertz, when he hit 260-odd. Yeah. You know, you've certainly been around the, the club. 260-odd, yeah. 15 odd years ago for Surrey that's still not being broken you know maybe bats were better in 99 than they are in 2015 I don't know but, yeah, but I, mean, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of lot of phony phony hot air around this one absolutely and just to finish on that the only man to ever hit a ball over the pavilion here at Lords was Albert Trott Albert Trott a long long time ago yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe that no it, it, it's he must have middled it we had um, 
oh, who did we have? We played uh, the West Indies here. And uh, Pollard right. hit Sean Noodle not far off going over. It was kind of... Over the pavilion way. itself? Over the pavilion. It was up above our dressing room there. And that was one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's an absolute beast of a man yeah. with, with one of these modern bats. So... Like Albert Trot, I still can't actually believe that. Let, let's let's not get the truth in the way. Of the yeah, story, okay. Though, so. It's a lovely story. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Domestic T Twenty cricket. Now, after the success of the Australian Big Bash this Christmas, all eyes now turn to the NatWest T Twenty Blast in England, with huge crowds, exciting games, and innovative TV coverage. I knew I'd slip over that word. Hmm. The Big Bash was an overwhelming success story. So, what can we learn from it? Or can we? This is this is one for for Tim. I think you you, you play in this in our version, mm. or rather our pale imitation of the worldwide twenty over leagues. Um, you play, you know, last year you'd have played every Friday and so on and so on. It, it drags its way its heels through the through the summer. Um, at the time, it's worth remembering that back in March April time when the when it was all announced, there was a kind of Broadly amongst the counties, there was a positive feel about it. Friday night crowds, yeah. you know, um, it will the, the narrative will run over a, over a whole summer. Um, from a playing point of view, though, what, what's your feeling? Um, the biggest thing that the players found last year was that sort of not having it blocked meant that it was difficult to practice different formats. We quite often had a four day game followed by a T20 the day after or something like that yeah. and guys found it very difficult to practice specific white ball um, training if they're playing in the four day game as well so so that was the biggest thing which you know I, I always felt in a block in July, August whenever it is seems to me um, you know I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it or doing all the research obviously has been has gone into it but that just seems to be a better format for me everyone can concentrate on 2020 cricket for that month um yeah and from the player's point of view that that seems the easiest and best way but obviously there are marketing sides and 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 various other things some counties love friday nights some don't Mm -hmm. you know you go to essex or somerset or even hove i think they kind of sell out um those games and and sort of have great crowds so it's so different depending where you are and which county you're at you've played for Surrey and Middlesex um in the proposed franchise system Surrey and Middlesex would become London yeah if you like yeah you've played for both you know both clubs what would your feeling be if that became the eventuality There'd probably be more Surrey players in the team than Middlesex players, <laughs> <laughs> judging, judging by the past three or four years in T20. Could, could you summon the same kind of passion to play for London than you can to play for Surrey and then for Middlesex? Uh, Would it mean as much? Possibly not to me, personally, but um, you know, to the younger players that may not be as big an issue. And mm-hmm. um, If it's something that you got used to year on year... You know, I'm I'm sure sort of guys are professional and they you know they want to do well for whoever they're playing for and I think the biggest thing for players is the crowds. If they're playing in front of big crowds, you know I don't think it would matter too much if it was a London or Middlesex. But me personally, would find it strange. You know, I don't play a massive amount of T20 cricket for Middlesex now, um, but it was something that I was kind of I just remember those first few years at Surrey and it was a great tournament and. Mm. 
You know, I, I have you a feeling... You won a bowl out, didn't you? Yeah, so I ran I a bowl out. That. Took my shirt off, took your ran shirt around off, like ran a lunatic. Yeah, yeah, thought yeah. I was a footballer. Yeah, all that. Um, so I just... I, I kind of watching the Big Bash. I think it's a great tournament, but I'd like to see in three, four, five years' time if it's still as exciting then. Because I remember the first three or four years over here, it was great. We had crowds that we'd never seen before for county games. I remember playing here for... Surrey against Middlesex and being packed out. Mm. Um, so whether that same kind of thing will happen and it will die down a bit in Australia, I'm not quite sure. So I kind of reserve judgment a little bit on, on how successful the Big Bash is compared to here because I think you have to, you know, we've been going for 10, 12 years or whatever. I agree something perhaps needs to, needs to be freshened up and there are various things that you can do. But players being mic'd up, that's happened here since 2003 yeah. and... Um, you know, I remember those early days. There was bumble and jacuzzis around the boundary. Absolutely, and, all, um, all, the, all the gimmicks and all the touches have existed in the English game for a decade yeah. and more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I personally am unconvinced by the franchise system. I don't think that there's a great groundswell out there of people saying, "Do you know what we need? We need you know the West Country versus Greater <laughs> London versus yeah. the Midlands versus the Northwest." I just don't really see that there's any great passion for that. Certainly amongst the punters. Um, I do think that there's an issue about when it's scheduled. Yeah. Um, I can see that, but then th- there's pros and cons to that as well. You know, if we if we condense it into a four week period, say through the summer holidays when kids can be available, and it rains for two weeks, mm. then th- then you have a damp squib of a tournament. So mm. I think there's I think there's a lot of hand wringing around this. I think in reality, people go to the cricket as and when they want to. They pick and choose their fixtures. People are not going to spend. 200 quid on, on you know, eight home games at 25 quid a pop. They're going to pick and choose. As we saw here last year, the game, the Middlesex-Surrey game was was packed here last year. Forget sold what, out, yeah. Sold yeah, out. Forget what happened crowds, five or yeah. six years ago. I think people pick and choose their battles. Um, and so, yeah, I'd reserve judgment just like Tim would, especially. I think a lot of players push that, you know, you see a lot of players on Twitter going how great the Big Bash is and... And it's a, it's and a it's, marketing triumph, the Big Bash. Yeah, and it's all about kind of the crowds and, and probably the money that comes into it as well. That's bottom line, you know, players want to play in front of big crowds. They want they want to get paid more. They see that that happening as a franchise system, but will it work here or not? As I say, I agree, like I'm, I'm not convinced by that. So um, anyway, we'll see what happens the next year or so. So I guess, you know, just because it works in Australia, it doesn't mean it will necessarily necessarily translate over here. No. So, fair argument. Well, to finish the podcast, I'd like to um, I'd like to give you both a quiz. Um, it's called Who's Who of the Past World Cups. So I've I've delved into Crick Info's archive. I'm not going to lie, and I've picked out three players that played for teams over the years in previous World Cups. Um, just to give you a clue, they all played in. Um, they all were part of teams in the current World Cup. Okay. So I'm going to give you the player's name, and all you have to do is tell me who they played for. Right. So easy. some cricket badgers here might be able to get these quite easily. I don't know. Far away. So is it just a... Are we buzzing in here? You know, you're going up against each other. Okay. That's how I do it. So, Tim, you can go first. And it's the best of three. Right. Um, so which country did John Morrison play for? John Morrison. New Zealand? Phil? Canada. 
You haven't listened to the oh, sorry. Yeah. From, from this from this load. All right. They're, 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 they did play in previous World Cups, but they are all part of these teams, just to make it a bit easier. Okie dokie. Um, Scotland. Tim, 1-0. New Zealand. Get in. Right. Former New Zealand opening batsman uh, represented the Black Caps in 1975 I was just Danny Morrison. Yeah, he was yeah. Player. Well, there you go. So, 1-0. That was a guess. Phil, you go first with this one. Which country did... Azar Zaid play for um, the UAE. Can I say the same or I guess say the so. same if you want? I'm going to say Pakistan. <laughs> oh, it's uh, leveled up. One all. Phil, you're correct. Played for the United Arab Emirates. Um, he was an all rounder, opening batsman who played for them in the 1996 World Cup. There you have it. It was their joint top wicket taker. There was yeah, also there was also a lad who played in that UAE team who wore a, a floppy sun yeah. hat and batted three against Alan Donald and got Sultan Zarawani. That's your boy. <laughs> got scum. Go. Do, do I get a bonus point for no, that? No, sorry, Tim. Oh. Not, well, not, not, I remember not watching that. He walked out in a floppy, <laughs> yeah. thinking, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, impressive. Hit on the head. See you, mate. <laughs> off, off he went. Right, one all. Exciting finish. Here we go. Thrill a minute, this. Absolutely. Which country, Tim, did Malcolm Jarvis play for? Zimbabwe. Yeah, Zimbabwe. Right, you both um, are correct there. Right, so, Top so knowledge. You, so you need a, a tiebreaker here, William. I'm out. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> so I win it for the Sultan Zarawani. <laughs> I think you do, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, well, Malcolm you Jarvis. That. You can have that. <laughs> Represented them in the 1987 and 1992 World Cup. All right, there you go. There you go. Good knowledge both. Well done. Um, and just to finish off, Tim, what have you got coming up over the next few weeks? Are you, you are you going to be fighting fit for the start of the season with Middlesex? Yeah, I mean, that's we've got a pre-season tour going to Abu Dhabi uh, March 10th, I think. Um, so the plan is to be fit and playing for that. Um, you know, there's an outside chance if someone goes down for Ireland in the World Cup that, you know, I want to be fit and um, able to put my hand up and be available for selection if if and when that kind of came around so um yeah that, that, that's the plan so uh be back playing as i said i've started kind of bowling this week just very gentle stuff um it's still reasonably early in terms of fractures and how long they take to heal but um we are ahead of schedule and um but yeah to be playing out in Abu Dhabi would be great um and be sort of fully fit for the start of the english season here Great stuff. And when's your first uh, benefit gig? First benefit gig, we've got this curry night, as I said, in the um, Household Cavalry uh, in Knightsbridge, which will be really good on the 30th of April. Um, so very much looking forward to that and managed to convince Straussy to come along and do a bit of a and a and various other players that I'll be um, sort of twisting their arm to get to do stuff throughout the year. So if they don't know that already, be be prepared um, <laughs> so yeah that's that's the first event and um, hopefully kick off will be a really good year great stuff well all the rest of the best of the season Phil what have you got coming up well it's 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 the AOC uh, all out cricket uh, gig that we just keep on rolling with we've got some new World Cup videos that we've we've taken the plunge with so we've got our, our first World Cup preview video out at the minute um, 10 minutes of shambolic uh, glorious nonsense um, available <laughs> on our website alloutcricket.com uh, the new magazine will be out in three weeks from now uh, the current World Cup preview issue is out with an exclusive with Owen Morgan in there 
Uh, we've got columnists on the website, Herschel Gibbs, um, Jason Gillespie, Ravi's in there as well. All kinds of World Cup loveliness on alloutcricket.com. So there's my plug done. Absolutely. <laughs> Who's your cover star on the next issue? It is, it's Morgan. Morgan is the, the cover star out at the moment. Um, and the mid-World Cup issue, which will be up and running in three weeks' time, will depend on how England go. Sultan Zarawani. You never know. <laughs> Cult heroes, maybe, the world. UAE Cup. might want a couple of games. It might even be Paul Sterling. You never know. If yeah. he smashes it, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, many thanks for coming on both. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah, great. Great stuff. Well, many thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handle's at Homer Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.